the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to California Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one. From education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation, this program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities throughout the state of California. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of this great state and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed entrepreneurs, along with business and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. Hi, I'm Carl Davis Jr. and welcome to California Business Connections. Today is a very special day for me. As a matter of fact, this whole weekend is special because this is a weekend that we we get a chance to elect, or we get a chance to choose, we get a chance to express our right, as it says, to vote for those who are going to be in office. And my guest today has already been in office. He's already been voted. And that's a wonderful thing. And And the fact that he is, quote unquote, terming out, <laughs> to me, that's a, I mean, that's honorable because that says he's never been defeated and people care for him so much that they voted him in multiple times. I want to welcome a good friend of mine, fraternity brother, Mr. Charles Chappie Jones. How are you doing, Chappie? I'm doing great, uh, Carl. And uh, thank you for inviting me to participate in this podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to a, a very lively discussion. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Chappie, you're going to make it lively <laughs> because you have so much going on that when folks hear about this, I mean, you know, not only being a, a city council member, a vice mayor, I mean, just a leader in the community, you know, I'm sure, you know, younger people or everyone would love to hear a little bit about your past of how you became Charles Chappie Jones, <laughs> the vice mayor of San Jose. Chappie, give us a little background on who you are, Chappie. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll take you all the way back. So uh, <laughs> a lot of people ask me, like, how did I get the nickname Chappie? And um, actually, I was uh, nicknamed after uh, Daniel Chappie James, who was the first African-American four-star general of the United States Air Force. And my father was in the Air Force. And uh, he was, um, Chappie, jo- Chappie James was his uh, his idol. Wow. And so he really looked up to him. And my mother was from Florida, and Chappie James was also from Florida. So they didn't want to call, I'm a junior, so they didn't want to call <laughs> me uh, Chuck or Chucky, because my father was ch- uh, nicknamed Chuck. Uh-huh. They want to call me Chucky. They didn't want to call me Charlie. So they're like, let's just come up with something totally different. So uh that uh, Chappie James came up, and they said, that, "That's it. Let's nickname him after Daniel Chappie James." 
So that four-star general reference that we heard one day at a place that said you were the general, there's some little history there in the connection, huh? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so that's how that's how I got my my nickname, and and also you know going way back too, because you know one of the things I've realized over the course of my life is you know um, our view of the world yeah. is is shaped by you know our experiences you know growing up when we're young yeah. uh, into adulthood. So um, as I've served on the council and I've you know had to. Uh, address a lot of, you know, systemic, you know, uh, racism and, and racial issues. I started looking back at like my childhood. Mm. And so there's, we've had a lot of discussions on council about issues like redlining. And it wasn't until we started having those discussions that I realized that I actually grew up in a redline neighborhood. <laughs> so, um, and then we oftentimes talk about um, environmental justice. Well, the neighborhood I grew up in was right next to a wastewater treatment plant, a railroad track, and an airport. <laughs> so you hear now we're hearing all about you know the environmental impacts of lead coming from the the fuel from planes, and mm-hmm. you can imagine just growing up next to a wastewater treatment plant in the '60s and '70s. Right. You know, where we didn't have all the environmental safeties. Right. So you can just imagine, you know, the environmental harm that was caused uh, by just living in those types of neighborhoods. Um, I had a great childhood, you know. <laughs> Despite all that, huh? <laughs> Despite all that, I had, a, I had a great childhood. But it just really, you know, struck home that as we debate and discuss a lot of these, you know, social justice issues, it's like, that's my... That's my lived experience, yeah. and um, and that shapes you, and it shapes your um, your perspective of the world. Another thing that shaped uh, shaped me as well is uh, my admiration for both um, elected officials. I grew up uh, reading about and, and hearing about Andrew Young mm-hmm. and Maynard Jackson, the mayors of uh, of Atlanta. Um, Ernest Moriel, mayor of New Orleans, um, Marion Barry, uh, mayor of D.C., you know, obviously Willie Brown, you know, speaker of the assembly and just, you know, other elected officials. And, you know, I was able even at a young age to really connect um, the connection between political power and economic power Um Atlanta actually is my like my shining star in terms of you know how it should work. Mm-hmm. Um, there um, are multi million dollar businesses that were created in Atlanta, black owned businesses, where they were able to create opportunities for companies like you know Herman Russell Construction, mm. who you know had major part in building the Atlanta airport, mm-hmm. um, and I can just go on and on, but. Even at a, at a young age, I was able to make that connection. I also admired uh, entrepreneurs and, and, and business leaders and business owners, uh, particularly in the black community. So when I went to college, I was really struggling to decide, you know, between political science, which is the one passion that I had, mm-hmm. and business. I kind of opted, you know, for what I considered to be like a safer route. So I, I went into uh, to business and I focused on, you know, 
business in, in college. I graduated with an econ degree mm-hmm. and uh, graduated from UC Davis, uh, got a job in corporate America at General Electric in San Jose and uh, started my, my corporate career, uh, which went well. And then at some point I decided that I wanted to further my education. So I went to uh, yeah, UC Berkeley uh, Business School, the Haas School. Mm-hmm. Uh, to um, get my MBA, still had that passion for public service, and it was always there. So I eventually got married, you know, had kids, and uh, about 19 years into uh, my marriage, I had been talking about public service and running for office like the whole time. Mm. And my wife, Kelly, just at some point just got fed up. <laughs> she was tired of hearing about it. And so she said, you know, Either do it or shut up, <laughs> and I never want to hear it again. So I said, okay. So I was working at Apple at the time. So I called uh, my manager and uh, gave him four months' notice. And I said I was uh, leaving Apple and I was going to campaign full time. Wow. For San Jose City Council. And I did it, and we won uh, with uh, almost 60% of the vote. Wow. Uh, and we're actually, we had a runoff with a sitting state assembly member mm-hmm. who was also well-known in the, in the district, but we won anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was able to serve for eight years on the, uh, on the council. So it's been a, a, it's been an incredible journey. And, you know, part of the, part of that journey too, not only did I work for, you know, huge companies and corporations like Apple and GE mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And AT&T, but I also had an opportunity to uh, run my own small business. Mm-hmm. And um, I took over a business that had four employees. And within two years, I was able to grow it to 50 employees with a $200,000 a month payroll. Wow. And and specifically, we were able to do that because we uh, there were opportunities for us to get state contracts, uh, contracts with the city and county of San Francisco, mm. contracts with Oakland, mm. where they created opportunities uh, for my business. And because of those opportunities, we were able to hire people from the community, maybe individuals who didn't have those same opportunities with mm-hmm. you know, larger uh, larger companies, mm-hmm. uh, just as talented, but didn't have the opportunities. We were able to to provide those opportunities and allow those people work for my business and did a great job and then moved on, took that experience and moved on to other opportunities. We also were able to spend money in the community. Mm -hmm. So not only were we hiring people from the community, but we were Mm -hmm. spending money in the community. And that's another thing that really stuck with me uh, during my uh, work experience. Well, you know, you know, that's a perfect segue into something I'm going to say about you with our task force that I was a part of here at the city of San Jose that I see now why that was such a, such a burning desire for you to, to make sure that San Jose has a task force that represents small business because you've seen the success of it. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts. And and quite frankly, you know, I hope that becomes a legacy for you uh, about that task force. So tell me a little bit about that, Chappie. Well, yeah, going back to some of the context. So, you know, I had that experience and saw the impact of cities 
counties and the state having programs that create opportunities for small and minority-owned businesses. I moved to San Jose, and I looked around, and I'm like, where's the Herman Russell Construction Company? And where's this yeah. other large Latino-owned you know, company? And where's this you know, huge Asian-owned company? You know, and I'm not talking about high tech because uh, you know sometimes we focus on high tech, but um, you can't have high tech without someone building the building that they work in. Right. You can't have high tech unless you have someone who's you know transporting the goods that uh, they that they use. So I'm like, where are where are those companies? Where are those businesses? And I didn't see them. Mm. And San Jose has a strong entrepreneurial culture. Mm-hmm. Um, 96% of the businesses in San Jose are owned by small and minority-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's there's a strong entrepreneurial culture, but there, it seems to be like a barrier for businesses to only be able to you know get so big or be so successful. So you have a lot of small mom-and-pop businesses or just small businesses in general, mm-hmm. but you don't see a lot of those medium size and, and then large yeah. size businesses yeah. that have grown out of San Jose. That's well, what I saw. To... That's what I. That's what I. You know, want to address. So um, I used to serve on a, the Small Business Development Commission in San Jose, mm-hmm. and the city went through a commission review process, and only one commission was eliminated. And that was a small business development. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And I'm like, no, that's not acceptable. But coming on council, I was focused in on bringing back the Small Business Development Commission. And I got a lot of resistance from, you know, city staff, particularly the Office of Economic Development, that, you know, it was too costly. Mm-hmm. It was going to require too many resources to support that commission. So I said, I'm going to um, form a task force managed out of my office and supported by my office, my office resources, and, and move this forward because I felt that there was a, a gap in some entity driving and pushing you know, policies that were going to benefit small and minority businesses. So we created the task force and we got um, uh, a lot of the ethnic chambers, particularly the Black Chamber, this mm-hmm. bank chamber, Vietnamese chamber, uh, and other chambers to to affiliate with this task force. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, we were able to stand it up and push uh, policies uh, through the city. A uh, couple of successes, we uh, were able to push uh, an initiative to create a construction academy. And real briefly, what that academy does is a lot of small businesses can't get contracts with the city because they don't have the experience or the or the qualifications. And so it's a, a chicken or the egg. So how do you get right. you know the experience? Right, right. you got to do the work. <laughs> you know, right. and if you don't have an opportunity to do the work because you're not qualified, then then it's you know catch twenty two. Going through that construction academy, if they pass it then they're pre-qualified to work on city contracts and they can bid on them. And we, another thing that we did too was lower the threshold and, and mm-hmm. broke up some of the 
um, the contracts and make them smaller, uh, lower the dollar amount uh, where our city staff can award contracts on, 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 on the basis of other criteria besides just the lowest bidder. And by doing that, we were able to create opportunities for small businesses and minority-owned businesses to get city contracts. You know, what's the benefit of that? The city of San Jose is going to spend over $4 billion, you know, either in our wastewater treatment facility, the airport, or just the, the general uh, city um, infrastructure uh, over the next five years. What if small minority-owned businesses got just 10% of that $4 billion. Mm-hmm. We're talking about $400 million wow. that can go into the east side of San Jose and other parts of San Jose. Well, imagine if, if $400 million went into the east side of uh, San Jose and you have the multiplier effect of maybe five times. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about, you know, doing two billion quick math, but, but mm-hmm. 1.6, you know, mm-hmm billion dollars mm-hmm. of economic you know activity going flowing through you know a part yep. of the city. Mm-hmm. um i mean we're just talking about not only wealth creation yep. we're talking about you know hiring people from the community yeah we're talking about creating role models mm-hmm. for other individuals in the community to to look up to mm-hmm. and we're talking about you know in san jose um 67% I'm sorry, 67 cents mm-hmm. of every dollar that's received by a small business is spent in the community. See it. Yeah. So there you go. Two thirds of all with that one point something billion gets spent right back in our own community. That's that multiplier effect for sure. Exactly. Man, and again, that, that, that 67 cents is multiplied because they spend it in the community. Whoever receives that money in the community they also spends in the community. Yeah, and man. so you can see how you can create, you know, generational wealth. Yeah. And you can, you can generate a larger middle class just by a policy like that that can direct resources and money and contracts to a particular segment of our community. Man, Chappie, that the Chappie that I, I served on there with you, so I, I I have a heart for that too, and I'm I'm so thankful that you've done that, and and my predecessors, uh, they're going to benefit from that too. But Chappie, I want to talk to a little bit about now your future. You know, you've you know you've done your service here, and uh, as as much as I tried to talk to you about trying to become the mayor one day, or <laughs> Or going to uh, you know the state, um, I want to find out. Or you, what would you like to share with our audience on your aspirations, on what you plan to do uh, in the future when you when you term out? And I guess it's at the end of this year, December thirty first. You December thirty first, January first. You're you're a free man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. I I, I feel like I've accomplished quite a bit in my eight years and I'm, I'm proud of what we were able to do, mm-hmm. but um, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a goal of mine to, you know, be in public service. And I feel like, you know, I accomplished that goal. You've scratched that itch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scratched that itch. Uh, you know, again, I feel good that, you know, we were able to do some things, uh, but you know, I'm ready to, you know, move on to the, the next chapter in my life. So what I'm going to do is, um, after I'm termed out, 
um, in January, I'm going to Costa Rica for a month. Oh, oh. By myself. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Not taking the family, the wife, uh, you know, friends. Anyway, I'm just going to go down there by myself. Um, I'm going to stay in this uh, small little town near the beach with a hammock. And I'm I'm just going to spend a month of reflection. Yeah. And what I call actually healing. You know, I need to heal my my mind, body, soul, and spirit. Well, don't so, don't make it sound don't make it sound too bad, Chappy. Because my next question was, you know, how would you encourage you know others to get into politics, especially African Americans? Because you and I know our population in this area here varies from two and a half to almost 3% in any city County in, you know, Southern uh, Bay area here. And yet, you know, um, African-Americans have shown to really represent other communities when they're elected. You know, how would you Chappie talk about black folks getting into politics, your perspective of it? Yeah. And I think, you know, um, one is, uh, I would encourage anyone who has a passion and desire to to get into politics. Well, I actually, I refer to it more of public service mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, you know, it's not about you. It's about mm-hmm. the community. And if, if your desire is to get into it because of ego or, you know, something about, you know, wanting to be, you know, a VIP or no, no uh-huh. or, you know, <laughs> center of attention, uh-huh. then uh, uh, don't do it. But if your desire is to try to make things better for your community, try to improve the quality of life of the res of the residents that you serve, then I think that you should definitely pursue it. I think Black folks, particularly in Silicon Valley, are in a very unique position because San Jose is basically one third white, one third Asian, and one third Latino. And then we have our 2.8% uh-huh. black population. Uh-huh. So we're actually in uh, a unique position where we could run representing everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, yes. You know, and mm-hmm. You you can get Asian support and you can get white support and you can get Latino support. Um, when I ran the first time, uh, I actually ran against Paul Fong, and uh, my district is about forty percent. Now it's about forty seven percent, but at the time it was like forty um, percent Asian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we were really worried that you know. Paul was going to get all of the Asian vote, and mm-hmm. I'd have to you know, basically wouldn't have a have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. We campaigned hard, you know. We got our message out to the Asian community, and in every uh, precinct in, in the district, mm-hmm. particularly the precincts that were heavily Asian, mm-hmm. I won. Wow! 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 And so, um, this is an example of you know. If you connect with the community, you represent the values that they're looking for, mm-hmm. and they they know that you care, they trust you. Mm-hmm. Whether you're black, white, green, mm-hmm. you know, 
they'll support you. Now, you, there's a segment of all all the groups that are only going to vote for their own, right, and right. you know, there's nothing you can do about that. But right. the majority of other people um, really just want someone to represent them that that cares about them and is going to fight hard for them. Yeah, we want to thank our guest today, Mr. Charles Chappie Jones. So until we meet again, remember, whether it's education, health, even politics and sports, it's all about business. Stay safe and stay connected. You're listening to California Business Connections. You've been listening to California Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr., brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. For more information about today's show, go to blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email Carl at carldavisjr at comcast.net. That's carldavisjr at comcast.net. Keeping you connected. California Business Connections. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.